I was talking with a friend recently who just started a new job. And they were telling me about the team that they worked with and about the things that they do on a daily basis. They told me about the great location and the office environment. And as the conversation went on, I began to feel like something was off. I could tell that they were telling me some things, but not other things. They were sure to tell me about the professional environment and how they loved being a part of this team and how they worked with numbers, contracts, policies, and procedures, and not what the other side of the company produced and sold. Knowing that I was a pastor, I could tell that my friend was hesitant to tell me more about the company. And then it came out. It was a large adult entertainment industry. Seeing that I was a little surprised, they followed up, well, you know, as long as you aren't hurting anyone, it's all good. In my life, I have found that it is the repression of desire which is the problem, not with free consenting adults. There it was, freedom. The true freedom for each of us to do what is right in our own eyes. That is the goal of life. As if we're all called to be William Wallace and Braveheart yelling, freedom! Freedom has become one of the greatest idols in modern culture. But this idea that repression is the root of all evil is such an interesting idea. It comes from the father of early psychology, Sigmund Freud. And the interesting thing about Freud is that in many ways, he was right. He diagnosed the problem pretty accurately, but his prescription was deadly. Ask anyone who's ever been to the doctor, and, and they'll tell you, the doctor can get the diagnosis right, but if they give you the wrong prescription, it can have major consequences. You know, I wouldn't want to go to the doctor and he see that I have pneumonia and he prescribed chemo. That would be terrible. <laughs> but this idea is so prevalent in our world. And I don't mean to pick on my friend. It, it, this idea is everywhere, everywhere. Recently, I met another person who was working through addiction recovery. In the middle of our conversation, I asked them if they had gone to counseling. They said yes and smiled but they took a while and I could tell that they hesitated. So I asked them what they meant. And they said, well, the first counselor I went to didn't think that I had an addiction. They told me what I needed to do was go to Vegas for a weekend and just get it out of my system. Luckily, this person found a new counselor. That advice to an addict can have major consequences. And depending on the issue, it could be deadly. Freedom to an addict means that they are in a prison of their own making. The addiction has taken over. How many of us can identify with that? How many times in my life have I struggled with being in a prison of my own addiction? Well, the last two weeks, Pastor Mike has been talking to us all about Satan and his lies and how he is real and how he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the problem is that, that Satan has already been defeated. And yet so often psychologically, we are still trapped in bondage, trapped by our own thoughts and our own feelings. So many times I am my own worst enemy. And I live in this prison of my own making that I have formed bar by bar and chain link by chain link. I long for freedom and I long for freedom at any cost to do whatever I want. The heart wants what it wants. 
which eventually leads me to harm myself and others. All because I have no moral anchor beyond my own heart and my own emotions. There's nothing guiding me other than this, this pure desire to do what I want. We say things like, nobody can judge me, and, and I'm not hurting anyone. Just for fun, I want to do a, a pop quiz this morning. And, and don't worry, I'm not going to judge you. In fact, I got most of these wrong. I wouldn't have known any of them without looking them up. But I want, to think, I want us to think about who said this. The heart wants what it wants. Do you know? I didn't. I had to look it up. This was a famous quote by Woody Allen when he married his own stepdaughter when he was 56 and she was 21. That's heavy. The heart wants what it wants to justify that? The who said this one? Above all else, to thine own self be true. Do you know? I bet some of you guessed it. It's from Shakespeare's play, Hamlet. But many of us don't actually know who said these words. And we take them as words of wisdom, and we forget that this is often misquoted because it was said by Polonius, the fool who was the hypocrite. You see, when we say, the heart wants what it wants, or to thine own self be true, it's really this idea that, that we can do whatever we want with no consequences. True freedom comes when we live our lives connected to something more pure, more powerful, something transcendent, something divine, a higher power. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. This is the biblical understanding of freedom. And this morning, if you long for true, authentic freedom that's going to set you free and not actually trap you by your own passions and desires, let's look into Scripture and see what Scripture has to say. One of the greatest passages in Scripture comes from Galatians chapter 5. So let's dig in and see what we can learn. But let me just set a little bit of context, a little bit of background about this passage. You see, there's a controversy brewing, and it's about whether the Greek and the Gentile believers from Galatia, uh, whether those Christians need to become Jewish and follow the laws and the customs in order to be Christians. And so Paul is writing to the church, and, and he's writing to tell them that that idea doesn't cut it. They are free, but their freedom is not the Greek and Roman freedom that leads to hedonism either. We can fall into either ditch on either side of the road that leads to hedonism or legalism. You see, there is this freedom that is built on the Christian ethic of love that Jesus introduces us to. And so let's look into Scripture and see what we have here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 starts off with this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery is either legalism or hedonism on either side of the road. He is presenting something new here in this passage. And this is one of the key points of all of the book of Galatians is this verse. And then he picks up this idea in verse 16 to 24. He says this, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And he's using the word flesh there to mean our sinful hedonistic desires, that just the heart wants what it wants. 
But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he goes on to, to show us a better way. And he says, he continues in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. Now, there's, there's two main things that I want us to see here in this text. And, and, and the first is this, that true freedom includes not being a slave to our flesh and its desires. That we won't be just carried around by whatever we want to do, hurting ourselves and other people. And, and this idea is continued uh, in other passages, like in 1 Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Did you catch that? Our own desires wage war against our own soul. It's, it's the idea that our sinful desires are all about instant gratification rather than what our soul desires, which is long-term peace, joy, happiness, and the fruits of the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says it this way, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. That is so beautiful. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is what God calls us to. This is true freedom that leads us to something more pure and more beautiful. Let me give you a quick example. A number of years ago, I was in, in Delhi. Now, India is the second largest city in the world, but the traffic, the traffic is second to none. It makes LA look easy. Every intersection is at a complete gridlock, and it's if it seems like it's total chaos. Well, there are a couple of, it seems like there's no rules, but there are a couple of cultural assumptions. And the best way I heard to describe the traffic in India is to think of it like water, simply following the path of least resistance. Now, that means that occasionally, if it means going on the sidewalk to get where you need to go, so be it. It also means that ox carts mix in with tuk-tuks and cars and thousands of motor scooters just cutting in and out of traffic, flowing every which way. No, no lights, no 
lanes, it, it looks like chaos. But it somehow works, even though it's incredibly slow. Everyone did what they wanted to do. There was freedom, but it was chaos. And then a couple of years ago, Delhi built the Ring Road. And it was a modern superhighway. It was a beltway around the city and it connected to downtown. It was a marvel of modern development. And it was a disaster from the day it opened. <laughs> For a while, it was the deadliest road in the world. Because the people were so used to be stuck in, in traffic jams that they didn't know how to handle the freedom of being able to drive at super high speeds. There seemed to be no rules, and, and you had ox carts on the same road as people driving 100 miles an hour who had no experience driving 100 miles an hour. Well, eventually, they came in and they readjusted some things and they put in some lanes and some rules, and today it's a much, much safer road. But they had to learn that with freedom comes some level of responsibility, some boundaries, some ethics, something that pulls us in a new direction to go fast and to stay safe. And so that leads us to the second point. What is it that, that we need as Christians that, that, that calls our freedom to, so that we can move forward but also stay safe? It's this. We need a moral compass that is greater than our own. We need God's wisdom. The wisdom of God reminds us that love gives. It's an ethic, uh, it's a communal ethic of love, that love gives. Love is selfless. It's this agape love. And we see it in verses 13 and 14. Paul says, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is, this selfless ethic of love. But he contrasts that to this hedonistic idea, the idea of lust, because lust takes, lust objectifies the other. Love or lust is about selfishness as a, compared to love's selflessness. And we see it here in verse 19. It's hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's all about taking, 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 or mine, mine, mine. This version of life will drain you and everyone around you. It objectifies people, simply seeking to take and to serve its own selfish ways. And we see this all in our culture. And we see it, if we're honest, we see it in ourselves. And when I think of this, I always think of Smeagol from Lord of the Rings, who is consumed by his own desires to have the ring, the ring that he calls my precious. The desire wants what it wants, and it slowly consumes and destroys him. And, and the characters of Lord of the Ring, they, they make him this ugly, shallow, hollow person. And one of the great quotes from Smeagol is he says, once it takes hold of us, it never lets go. Friends, that is the definition of addiction. And it's the closest thing I can think of to what sin does to each and every one of us when we give ourselves over to this false definition, this Freudian definition of freedom, that we can do whatever 
we want. Selfish desires out of the sin that so easily entangles. But love, love and freedom, they live by the Spirit. In verse 22, it says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I actually had to think about that while I was reading that passage because some of you may have memorized that in a different order with slightly different words, but it's the same thing and it's calling us to this ethic of love. It's the fruit of the Spirit that just wells up inside of us and flows out of us. Verse 23 goes on and says, Against such things there is no law. This means that we are free to love with a selfless love. It's a more pure idea of that 60s free love that was twisted. God's love is a free love, but it's a free love that puts others first, that puts God's principles first, and that doesn't just lead to instant gratification, but the long-term peace and prosperity of God's ethic of community and wholeness. We are free not to return to bondage. Yet how often do I do this? I struggle so often and I easily beat myself up. When I look in the mirror and I see my own character faults rising up again and I fall short and I fall short and I keep beating myself up by thinking about how I give in and I say that quick comeback or I think that thought that I shouldn't think or I try to get even or I try to cut somebody off to get mine, to get first, to to take what is mine. And maybe some of you are there this morning where you're struggling with toxic shame and it's taken over your life or or you've built a prison of your own freedom which now consumes you. Where we have allowed the idea of just follow your heart to lead you to the path of least resistance and to poor decisions. I know I can't be the only one there this morning. I know that some of us are there on a daily basis. I want us to break free. But I don't want you to build a life on a Freudian freedom that is based on instant gratification. I want for us a biblical freedom that teaches us to love as Christ loved us. One of my favorite passions is to, in life is, is to see people walk in true freedom, to see people healed and set free free to love and to serve, free to walk in the way of Jesus, free to to be people that don't have to have a problem confessing their brokenness and need of God because they understand the freedom of God's grace. Free people are free to love, free to exude the fruit of the Spirit in a way that is contagious. That is who I have experienced our church to be in the kind of church that our world so desperately needs. The world doesn't need more legalistic, hypocritical Christians demanding their rights and their freedoms. No, what the world needs is Jesus followers who live out grace and freedom by loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. As I close today, I want to share a story with you that up until this this week, I had never heard this story before. So let me share with you the story of Henry Brown. 
Now, Henry Brown was born a slave in 1815 in Virginia. He was married to Nancy, and they had three children and one on the way. Having a job as a, at a tobacco mill, he managed to actually save a little extra money by working extra hard. Henry used that money to, to form an agreement with his slave master to keep his family together because as slaves, their marriage was not legally bounding. But one day while he was at work, his slave master betrayed his confidence and sold his pregnant wife and his three children to another plantation. That day changed Henry forever. He knew in that moment there was no such good, there was no such thing as a good slave master. It's an oxymoron. And he made up his mind that, that he was going to be free or die trying. And so he began to work on a plan with some friends. Now, it just so happens that there was a new modern technology at the time. The Postal Service was improving. And there was a new company called the Adams Company that made a name for themselves with their efficiency and confidentiality. They promised that they would not look inside of any box or package, and they even promised overnight delivery. Now, in order for their plan to work, Henry needed a day off. And slaves don't get a day off. And so he burned his hand to the bone with sulfuric acid, and he got a day off. Then on March 29th, 1849, Henry climbed into a two-foot by three-foot box lined with burlap and cotton with just a little bit of water and some biscuits. And he had his friends nail it shut and put straps all around it. They painted on the side of it, handle with care, and this side up. And Henry paid half of his life savings to mail that box. And it went by wagon, by railroad, by steamboat, by wagon again, by railroad again, ferry, and then wagon again. And the box wasn't always handled with care. Sometimes it was dumped upside down. All the while, Henry had to stay completely silent for fear that he would be found and sent back to Virginia. After 27 long hours, the package arrived in Philadelphia. Once they broke open the package, he arose a free man and quoted a poem that he had written based on Psalm 40. He was free. Henry paid half of his life savings to mail himself to freedom. What a beautiful analogy. What a beautiful story. Yet how often do I take grace and freedom of my salvation for granted and I pay to ship myself back to slavery in the name of greed, gossip, selfishness, and the sin that so easily entangles. Later in life, Henry, uh, Henry dedicated his life to the abolitionist movement, to, to stamping out slavery everywhere, and he gained the nickname Henry Box Brown. And he is, here's one of his great quotes. He said this, If you have never been deprived of your liberty, as I was, you cannot realize the power of that hope of freedom, which was to me indeed an anchor to the soul 
both sure and steadfast. I love that. And here was this Christian man who dedicated his life to free others. Not only did he take his freedom for granted, but he dedicated to seeing others set free. Friends, I confess that far too often I believe a lie and allow my passions and desires to take me wherever the wind blows. Yet the path of least resistance never takes you to the mountaintop. It takes you to the valley of the least common denominator, the valley of despair. How much better for us to walk in the way of Henry the Box Brown and to not only take our, our, our freedom seriously, but to live our lives to see others walk in that same freedom. Today, I want to leave you with this challenge. What if we all began to see the value of our freedom and to live according to a biblical understanding of freedom that aligns with a selfless love that is modeled on the way of Jesus, where God and Paul and the apostles call us to something more, something beautiful, something that isn't just instant gratification, but something that leads us to something more pure something more true, something that, that actually connects us to something within ourselves that sets our soul free. Friends, this morning, I want you to hear me loud and clear. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And this way of living sets us free to live lives of, of passion, of desire, and of openness to what God would have for us. And, and so as I close, I want to read Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 again. Let it sink into to your heart and to your mind. Let it transform us from the inside out. It says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This week, I challenge you, maybe take every day and just read Galatians chapter 5. Or maybe you want to read the whole book of Galatians. It's a great book. Or maybe you want to just say, I want to memorize one particular verse that stands out to you. But, but saturate yourself in God's word in such a way that we begin to remind ourselves of a true definition of freedom. And maybe commit a verse to memory so that when the dark and hard times come, because they do come, you will remember that it is by grace that you are free. Grace that leads us to live a life that is pure and free and true and that aligns our, our hearts with God's heart. And it brings a freedom to our world that we have never known. And so if that's something that you want, I invite you as we close today to just open your, heart, your hands and your hearts up together as we pray and we invite God into this moment saying, God, I want that kind of freedom. I don't want to just be free to where I get caught up in, in instant gratification and it comes back and traps me later. I want to be free to love and walk in grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for today. 
I thank you for your word through the Apostle Paul in Galatians. God, I thank you for this kind of freedom that sets us free. Help us to stand firm and to claim your truth that we are free. Help us never to to ship ourselves back into slavery by just following the passions of our flesh that lead to addiction. God, I pray that you would set us free to love ourselves, to love you, and to love others so that we may live in your shalom. God, grant us that revelation of your truth here today. God, would we be a community of people, not who are perfect, but are stumbling towards you to be a community that loves Rancho Cucamonga and our community and our world with your grace and with your truth. Help us to confront the lies of the enemy and to walk into freedom. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Thank you for the privilege of continuing to walk through this series together. Join us next week as we continue looking at the flesh and where God is calling us to walk in freedom. I hope you have a wonderful day today. May you be blessed and may you walk in all that God has for you. Be free and walk in his grace and his truth. Have a great day.